Hello, hello. Thank you for tuning in to Secrets of the Swamp. And if you were here from my introduction and my little sneak peek episode, thank you. So happy to have you back. And as you know from the sneak peek, I wanted to start off the podcast with the Jefferson Davis 8. Um, so we're just going to get rolling right into it, okay? So the tiny town of Jennings, um, in that town... The line between the rich and the poor are literally split by a railroad track. So the poor live on the south side and the rich live on the north. And it was on the south side where eight women turned up dead over a four-year period beginning in 2005. They were dumped in canals and along roads, their bodies so badly decomposed. It was sometimes difficult to determine how they died, except in the case of one woman whose throat had been slit. Now, the women all knew each other. They ran in the same crowd. They had children and families. They partied together. They got arrested together. And acted as confidential informants to local cops. Um, They traded sex for money. You know, we're not here to blame these women. But um, I will say that one of the main reasons this story has been so prolific and has... This crime has been moved over into um, literature and then to TV shows is how provocative and salacious it can all be. So um, the girls traded sex for money and drugs, and they all ended up dead in cases that have never been solved. Now, the author of Murder in the Bayou, um, Ethan Brown, spent years investigating their deaths, ultimately writing a bestseller, which has been made into a provocative gripping documentary series for Showtime, and it's pretty good. So the murders occurred in rural southwest Louisiana. Um, now, I believe the town, the population's about 10,000, but I'm not sure. Now, at one point, local law enforcement suggested a serial killer was on the loose. The then-sheriff for Jefferson Davis Parish said the women shared high-risk lifestyles. As if the victims themselves were, like, responsible for their passings. Ugh. And, of course, like, their grieving families complained about this quote. You know, what happened to the Jeff Davis 8, as they are known, is a complicated high crime. Um, rampant drug use, corrupt lives, and allegedly corrupt authorities. And from the quote that I just read you, I think we can see that there's going to be a good bit of that. It is a story with no ending and no justice, at least not yet. Now, the writing in Brown's book and the detail in uh, Showtime's documentary is very searing. The scenes unfold in a lush and telling tableau from the region's Acadiana history to the ever-present crackle of lighters held to cigarettes. So it's equally glamorous and then it equally really tries to show um, how South Jennings is oppressively poor. And uh, it's despair and heavy as the Spanish moss on bowing trees limbs and uh, the humidity that drapes the town like wet cotton, which is like the most beautiful way of describing like a Louisiana town, even if, you know, it is like a little bit of, if the town is kind of like considered what you would imagine like typical hillbillies to be. Now, the Jeff Davis 8 first came to Brown's attention as he traveled um, Interstate 10. So from that would be from his home in New Orleans 
to, and I am going to butcher this, and I am born and raised in Louisiana, so I'm sorry, people, Cal Cajua Parish, which is smack, like smack dab next to Jefferson Davis Parish. Now, when you go through this area, you know, there's billboards for casinos, hunting shops, and gas stations where giant signs with glaring headlines up to $85,000 reward they promised seeking information about the death of these women. Call the multi-agency investigative team hotline. Below were photographs of eight smiling women. What is this? Brown thought. This is so fascinating and strange that these women's names are on billboards. And that was the end of his quote. Now, this began his years-long descent into the quicksand surrounding eight murdered women ranging in age from 17 to 30 who died between 2005 and 2009. The victims were strangled or stabbed, their bodies tossed like garbage into water or along roadsides, their families and friends were left to wonder and fear, and they have increasingly believed the killings were not committed by a single murderer, despite the local sheriff's suggestions. After months of research and of interviews, Brown said he also believes there is more than one killer and more than one motive. Some victims were witnesses to the murders, uh, to the murders of others, he said. Um, all of the women knew law enforcement officers, he said, both as informants and from being arrested and serving brief stints in jail. Now, Drugs and covering up corruption are common threads in the patchwork of these killings, according to Brown and the residents he interviewed. There's a law enforcement sense of impunity and a street sense of impunity. That's very, very strong in this town, he said. Um, it plays an enormous role in this not being solved. You know, who can you trust? There's a big phrase you hear all the time in the town. That, that's the phrase. The big phrase is, who can you trust, is usually, you know, what they say. Now, law enforcement has denied allegations of corruption, saying there has been no evidence that shows investigators were involved with the killings or in covering them up. Brown points to another unsolved homicide in South Jennings in 2011. Now, Brown was out one night interviewing people in Jennings. He ran into a man who said he had dated two or three of the victims. Um, they talked for a while, and Brown went back to his hotel. The next morning, his phone rang. The man he had been talking to was dead, he was told. Murdered in his house. Brown doesn't think the killing, which is still open on the books, had anything to do with him. Rather, Brown said it's indicative of how cheap life can be in Jennings. When he mentioned the strange coincidence to others in town, they said, Welcome to Jennings, he recounted, as if to say that's how things go around here. That doesn't mean people have forgotten about the eight dead women, he said. They have large families, they have partners, husbands, kids, sometimes multiple kids, and they are loved in their small community. They are loved by their families, Brown said. Now, the first, first victim was Loretta Chazon, 28, a missing woman and mother of two. Her bloated body was found in a canal by a man out fishing. 
and that was May 20th of 2015. And the man initially thought he was looking at a mannequin, but mannequins don't draw flies, he said to himself. Now, Chasson's brother in the Showtime documentary said the last time he saw his sister, she was getting into the car of a local pimp. Less than a month later, the body of 30-year-old Ernestine Daniel's, uh, Daniel, Daniels, Daniel Patterson, um, I'm so sorry, Ernestine Danellis Patterson was found six miles from the canal where Chasson's body floated up. She too was dumped in water, her throat was cut, two men were arrested for her murder, but the charges were eventually dropped. Evelyn Daniels, the victim's mother, says in the documentary that investigators have made no progress. And uh, beginning of quote, I feel like they don't care. I don't have no closure, no peace, end quote. Nearly two years went by before victim number three surfaced in 2007. In that time, the region battled the ravages of the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. Life stood still as residents scrambled to dig out of polluted floodwaters and decimated eco um, economies. Crime slowed in Jennings during this time. The victim number three was Kristen Gary Lopez. She was 21, and her body was found in another local canal, which crossed this tiny spot, like street intersections, um, and she had been reported missing 13 days before. Some initially thought she had gone off on a bender, a friend says on camera, but Kristen was acting increasingly paranoid before, her disappe before she disappeared. Her friend said Kristen wouldn't talk about what was bothering her. Two months after Kristen's body was found, the remains of Whitney Dubois, 26, was discovered, and that was victim number four. Now, she was dumped along a rural road, and she had been severely beaten. Like the others, she was connected to drugs and sex work. Later in May, the body of Laconia Muggy, um, that was her nickname, Brown, was found by a Jefferson Davis Parish Sheriff's Deputy out on patrol. Her remains had been dropped in the middle of a country road. Bleach had been poured over her. The victim's grandmother, Bessie Brown, said Laconia knew the other four women and was convinced she would be the next victim, Brown said. She begged her granddaughter to stay off crack, but the addiction won out. She told Laconia, stay home until these people find whoever this is doing this killing, but it never sunk into her. Crystal Zeno, who was also named as Crystal Shea Benoit Zeno, turned up dead in 2008. The 24-year-old mother's body was found in the woods, reduced to little more than a skeleton. Though she had a child and straightened out for a while, she slipped again into using drugs. She was close to the other victims, according to her cousin. They all got high together. They all hung out together. End quote from Sarah Benoit. Brittany Gary was found dead on November 15, 2018. She was 17, the youngest victim. Her mother, Teresa Gary, organized search parties and posted missing flyers after her daughter disappeared on November 2nd. She had been waiting on Teresa to get home from the family dollar store, but Brittany never arrived. Her body was dumped next to a road. There were maggots coming out of her eyes and her nose and what used to be her mouth, her mother says in the documentary. 
oh, it's so heavy. So now the family pastor said of Teresa, I don't think I've ever seen any mother hurting that much. All right. So the last known victim was found on August 19th, 2009. Nicole Jean Guillory. Her body was dumped on the side of busy Interstate 10, the highway that begins at Santa Monica, California, and bisects the south until it reaches Jacksonville, Florida. Like Lacania, Nicole had a bad feeling. Her mother said Nicole felt she could be a victim. Her birthday was approaching when Barbara Guillory asked what kind of icing she fancied for her cake. She said, Mama, it doesn't matter. I am not going to be here to see my birthday. Nicole was accurate, sadly. Now, in researching and writing the book, Brown said he spent hours and hours with family members. They were very emotional, he said. Um, they were very interesting. Um, he said, I could tell even from the very first visit out there that there was this profound need to have this story told. Now, a decade after the last known murder, um, there remains a driving need to discover who killed the daughters of South Jennings. In making the documentary, family members, friends, and even those suspected of being somehow involved in the woman's demise opened their lives and homes, asked what he hoped for the documentary and his book. Brown replied that the series makes people around the country demand answers to this case and demand answers about how so many people in this small town in the small town and the small world did the things they did for so long with no accountability. All right. Now, there's a lot of suggestions of what happened to the girls. Um, so sorry about that sniffle. There's, there's so many dead end leads. Um, yeah. I'm so sorry, excuse me. Investigators really dropped the ball on this. And um, it fascinates me because it's so devastating. And I wanted to give you all just a, kind of a brief synop uh, synopsis about these girls who these murders happened in my home state. So I hope whenever you hear it, you are uh, going, you find the documentary. It is, it's gut-wrenching, but it's something that the American public needs to watch. Um, all right. Well, if you stuck through that very sad, um, and gruesome storytelling and my snotty nose and my coughing, <laughs> I thank you so much. Um, you know, let's just walk away from this remembering how we need to hug our family members and love on our family members and, um, uh, know that, uh, you know. Let's just take, let's just count our blessings, okay? Love you all very much. Thank you for sticking around for Secrets of the Swamp. And I hope you all have a lovely day or night.